Hello and welcome to When I Found Grace podcast. What's it look like to leave a legacy defined by grace? That's up next. By grace you have been saved. By grace you have been saved. By grace you have been saved. By grace through faith. Today we're going to talk about this idea of leaving a legacy and what that looks like. And when we talk about this, you know, it becomes so important for so many of us, and especially me, I think as a a father of young children, um, and looking back even to my past and my parents and my grandparents and the legacy that we leave and how important that is to those that are going to be left behind us. And so we're going to talk about that today. But first, as always, if you have a question that you would like uh, to submit to our podcast, uh, all you have to do is go to www.foundgrace.org, submit your question on the contact page, and we will look to answer that in a future podcast. Um, And then also today, I do want to highlight, and one thing that I I forgot about late or earlier in the week and things like that is we're in the the midst of the beginning stages of what many people call Lent. And even though I'm not an observer of Lent, that's mostly a a Catholic uh, thing, um, something that they do in the South, that's where Fat Tuesday and uh, Mardi Gras come from. Um, but during this time, I do want to highlight that there's the, the 40 days for life. And and for me, that's something that's so important and so, uh, crucial as a Christian is the right to life, um, and protecting those of the unborn. And so right now they're in the midst of their, they call it their vigil for the unborn children. And so if you think about it, not only pray for the unborn children, but also pray for those that have been affected by abortion, whether it was through a decision they made or or not. But but people really need to understand the grace of God and that God's grace is far greater than the mistakes that we make. And so these are things that I'm unapologetically um, for, that I, I will always speak for that right to life, especially for those of the unborn and those children. And so during this time, uh, we've been asked to pray for them and to pray for those that are, are participating in that. And so that's one thing that I want to highlight today and want to encourage you to be a part of as well. And so anyways, moving on to today and our topic, and we're starting something a little bit new and we'll come back to this as often as we can. Um, but what I want to do is I want to take us through the book of Judges. If you ever read the book or, or understand it, it's basically after, after Moses, after Joshua, uh, before the kings, God set up uh, these judges uh, to judge and, and to essentially redeem Israel um, 
from from her state. And, and what we'll we'll see time and time again is that what Israel would do is they would leave God essentially. They would just leave him, and then and then there would be a point where then they would call out to the Lord, and then the Lord would raise up these judges to to judge Israel or to to come up and and lead Israel during those times. And uh, one of the things that I, I really love about this book is it really highlights the grace of God because some of these characters that the Lord uses, it, it makes you think, wow, why would the Lord use somebody like that to judge Israel or to be a judge of them? And so you think, wow, the, this is a little bit crazy, but, but the Lord's done some marvelous, wonderful works. And, and so when we come into judges, um, as I've been, been studying it, one of the things I'm, all we're going to do, I'm not going to go through a a verse by verse, um, necessarily, but, but as I'm going through, I want to kind of go through judges, um, and, and the things that, that we can highlight together and look at some of these lessons and teachings that we can learn and and really glean from as we go through these things. And for me, I didn't get much further than Judges chapter 1, verse 1, where here's what it reads. It says, Now it came about after the death of Joshua that the sons of Israel inquired of the Lord, saying, who shall go up first for us against the Canaanites to fight against them? And this is where I stopped. And it got me thinking, if you don't know who Joshua is, Joshua from before um, we see he was the successor of Moses is Moses led the people out of Israel. And, and then finally, after the 40 years wandering in the desert uh, and then Moses finally passed away and died where, where Joshua came and, and took over for him and then would lead his people into the promised land. Now, Joshua, he also was one of the spies that went into this promised land and where there were 12 spies that were sent. And of those 12 spies that came back, only two of them gave a good report of what was in the land. Uh, essentially, they said, let's go get it. The Lord has delivered it to us. Let's go. While the other 10, what they saw, it, it's not that they had a bad report of the land. What they saw was they saw strong and mighty armies. They saw obstacles that were in their way and they kind of freaked out. And, but Joshua and Caleb were the only two that said, no, let's go for it. We can do this. The Lord will deliver. And, um, and so they were, they were gun ho about doing it and trusting the Lord. And, and we know that Joshua, he led, um, Israel to battle while under Moses. He also, um, if if you remember the walls of Jericho, where when they did come into the promised land and they came up to Jericho and remember seven days, they marched around it. And then on that seventh day, they marched around it seven days and the walls came tumbling down and and then they they took over the city. And uh, but but one of the things I really love about Joshua is when we we when he first took over for Moses, 
one of the things that we saw in chapter one of Joshua is this repeated statement of be strong and of good courage, be strong and courageous time after time, the Lord reminding Joshua to be strong and courageous. And when we look at that, we see, wow, I mean, Joshua must have had this fear. He must have had, maybe he had courage, but but taking over from such a great leader, uh, somebody like Moses, where the people look to him, and now Joshua taking over for him, it had to be intimidating and not only intimidating to do that, but now he was the guy. He wasn't just the guy now saying, Oh, Hey guys, we can do this. We can go into the land and we can do this. But now he was the guy who was called to lead them into that land and take them there. And so he had a big task on his hands. And I mean, without fault, I can't fault him for maybe being a little bit nervous. And wow, Lord, I don't know if I really have the strength to do that. But but now, of course, that's all speculation. It doesn't, it doesn't say that, but the Lord continues to see, be strong and courageous, be strong and of good courage. And he had to remind Joshua of this time and time again. And, but then we go back and later in Joshua's life, you go all the way back to Joshua chapter 24 and Joshua makes a stand before the people. He, he says, he tells the people. And in fact, um, going to Joshua 24 verses 14 through 15 Joshua says this, he says, now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And Joshua took this stand before the people. He took this stand and said, look, do what you must, but I am going to serve the Lord. For me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. And now all that is important because here we come all the way to Judges chapter one, where it says, now it came about after the death of Joshua. So now Joshua is completely gone. And here it is. It says that after his death, that the sons of Israel inquired of the Lord. And I know that might not seem much to you or maybe to many people, but to me, it speaks volumes of who Joshua was and the legacy he left behind. Because it's so very easy when somebody is gone, when that accountability, when that leader is is away and out, that it's so easy to say, you know what, he's gone, let's do things our way. Let's do the things that we want to do. Let's go back and serve the gods of our fathers. Joshua says, no, serve God, you choose who you're going to serve. And you see, after he was gone, they listened to Joshua. The legacy of Joshua lived on even after his death. And that's one of the things that impresses me the most 
And it's an important thing because Israel continued to inquire of the Lord even after he was gone. You know, it, it brings to mind um, in Third John in verse 4, it says, I have no greater joy than this, to hear of my children walking in the truth. And we see that Joshua left this legacy, one in where we see that the children of Israel remained walking in the truth for at least a season. And really the hope for any leader, any person put in charge is to know that those who come after will walk in the way that they were trained. You know, Proverbs chapter 22, verse six, it says to train up a child in the way they should go. Even when he, he is old, he will not depart from it. And this is a great reminder of raising those up to follow and to trust in the word of God, and especially our children. Sometimes we think, man, we're doing all this for, for nothing. Like I, I, I'm trying to raise my child in the way they should go, but they're always fighting me. They're always pushing against me. And I've seen so many parents who have teenagers that are are walking away from the Lord and they're going off doing their own thing. And it really puts a, a dagger in, in a parent's heart. And I have to admit, it's one of my biggest fears in my life is, boy, when, I, when I'm gone, that, that my children aren't going to follow the Lord. Or when they leave my house, that they're not going to follow the Lord anymore. But here it says to train up a child in the way they should go. And even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And we have to just trust the Lord. Lord, I'm doing the best I can. And I am only going to hope and pray that they will follow after those footsteps. You know, and it's important for us to remember to live these lives and especially lives full of grace. Paul says, He says in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11, verse 1, he says, Be imitators of me, just as I also am of Christ. See, Paul calls his followers, those people following him here in in Corinth, saying, look, follow me. Why follow me? Because I'm following Christ. I'm giving the example of Christ to you. Follow me. Follow me because I am following Christ. He tells them earlier in 1 Corinthians, he says, Therefore, I exhort you, be imitators of me. See, how we walk in this life will make an effect on those we leave behind. And if you live your life for Christ, those people that you love will see that. And if they reject you, you actually can have confidence that they reject Christ and not you. Not that that gets rid of the pain of it. But if you do what the Lord is calling you to do, raising your children, raising those under your care in the fear of the Lord, all you can do is do your best. And if they reject you or they reject Christ, remember they're rejecting him and not you. That's something that hopefully some people can take comfort in. But then if you do live your life for yourself, let's say you don't live your life for the Lord, but you live your life for yourself. You live your life partying. You live your life getting drunk. You live your life against God. The problem is, is that then there is no confidence in what will become of those who follow you. And this is, this is a big deal. 
Because when, as I'm walking my life, I'm walking my life to be an example, to imitate the Lord, to imitate Jesus Christ. And because of that, I can have confidence knowing that the legacy I'm leaving behind was one that Christ approved, that, that God has told me, train the child up, that the Lord has encouraged me and said, Micah, do this, and, and that my children have seen a godly example, so that even when I am out of the picture, even when I'm gone or they're moved out of home, I have confidence that at least they know. Let, let me give you let me give you an example. I, I love this because um, there's a, a man that comes to our church and him and his family, he's got two young boys and it was really cool because he's got this Bible and it's a big Bible and it's got the, the big print in it, but, but it's, it's quite large. It's not like thick, but just like size wise height. And, and, uh, and when you look at it, it's like, Oh, that's a, that's a pretty hefty looking Bible. Um, not, not super thick, not like one of those ones that has all that commentary, but but again, it's, it's big enough to notice. And, um, and one day I remember, uh, he had, he, he was gone saying hi to some other people, um, between, between worship and when we do our teaching. And, and then when I walked, walked by his wife and, and his son were sitting right there and I looked at his son and his son had the same exact Bible as his dad did. And I thought, that's really cool. And it looked brand new. And he had just gotten it maybe like a couple weeks or maybe a couple months before. Um, but it was really cool because I knew right there and then as I'm looking why he had that Bible. It's because his father, every night, and, and he tells, I've, I've heard the stories about it. He says, every night I sit down and I read the Bible with my kids. And he says he he got a big print one because it's easier for for him to see and it's better for him to be able to read it to his family. He reads the Bible to his family every night. And what's cool about that is that his son saw that. His son would see that. And his son was like, Dad, I want that Bible. I want that kind of Bible. And I just thought, what a what a blessing, what a legacy that he left to his sons and and his sons aren't even gone yet, but now his son has something physical, something tangible that he holds on to that will always remind him of his father's uh, dedication and love for the Lord. And that's in the Bible that he reads every day. And and I was so encouraged by that because when we do just see these simple things of raising our children up, of, of doing the best that we can, they see that. They see that and they want to imitate you and they will imitate you. And maybe maybe you don't have children. Maybe you have people that you are raising up or building up or or you're a leader of a group or or maybe you're just part of a group. Whatever it is in your life, you know that all I can do is to live an example to other people. And as long as I live an example to other people, I can live in confidence knowing 
that they saw Jesus through me, that I can leave a legacy. And if, if they choose to walk in this way, I know it's because they saw what I was doing was good. And, and there's a lot of confidence that we can have, a lot of assurance that we can have when we walk in this way. And, and, and that's so important for us. And I think as we grow up, even looking back at my own childhood, what are the things that influenced me the most? What are the things that have stuck with me? Well, a lot of it is are the things that my parents did. It's the people that were spiritually my um, my teachers, people that taught me spiritually, people that encouraged me, people that discipled me, people that took me and, and led me. And one of the most important things, I've talked about it before, is when people led me in grace, when people took me and graciously dealt with me in, in gracious ways, not accepting my sin, not saying, oh, Micah, it's okay that you sin, but dealing with it graciously in an appropriate way. And and I love that. And, and so for me, just this part, as we see here, that after Joshua died, the sons of Israel inquired of the Lord. It's an encouragement for me to continue doing what I'm doing, to build my life up, to walk my life imitating the Lord. So that one day when I'm out of the picture, my children, my friends, the people that I love, the church that I'm, I'm pastoring, that they will see and lead, and that when I'm gone, that they too will call upon the name of the Lord, just as I did. And that's what I want for all of us. And maybe maybe it's an encouragement. Maybe it's an exhortation to you. Maybe, maybe you failed in doing this. But you know what? It's never too late. If you're hearing this, it's not too late to start now. I think that's where a lot of us get caught up is this idea that, oh man, I've messed up in so many ways and so many times my children will never listen to me. I mean, listen, I know people that they messed up, they lived their life horribly and and when they were late in their life, in their 70s and 80s, they finally gave their heart to the Lord. And do you know what? Family members saw that. And then family members followed in those footsteps. And so if, if you're thinking it's too late for me, it's not too late. I mean, Paul says, says, be imitators me of me just as I also am of Christ. John says, I have no greater joy than to know that my children are walking in the truth. And that's our heart. And that's what I want for all of us is that we know that those who follow will walk in the truth and that they're imitating not just me, but they're imitating Jesus Christ. And that is so important. I hope you're blessed by this. I hope that you're encouraged. Keep up the work. Keep up the faith. Keep walking and let that legacy build itself. Amen. By grace you have been saved. By grace you have